Here we are. It's the Leafs mid-season off-seaside countdown. Josh has got his Canada jersey on. Obviously, the women's going tonight. Uh, yeah, we got lots to get to. This is the mid-season Leafs show for Offside Hockey Talk. So we are going to get right into it. Cut right into the Leafs. Here we go. Josh, gut sense feeling. I want to know right now. On the Toronto Maple Leafs halfway through, you feel what? Oh, well, um, I'm glad you brought that up, and I wish I had it pulled up because I tweeted something the other day that I think will sum up how I'm feeling right now. Here it is. 56, 20, and 6 pace. That's their record pace. On pace for 118 points. That's not bad. That's my feeling right now. This team is on pace for 56 wins, 20 losses, and 6 overtime losses. I have no issue with that. The thing I have an issue with is the playoff format because 118 points should give you a shitty team in the playoffs in the first round, but instead it's probably going to be freaking Tampa Bay or the Florida Panthers. Or if you, you know, if, if Boston starts to heat up, which I don't think they will, but if they do, then you're probably looking at Carolina or Washington or Pittsburgh. Um, but let's just focus on the Leafs. The pace they're on, nothing wrong with what they're doing. The boys, they've, you know, the last month, I think we can all agree, we've seen the highs, we've seen the lows. We've seen comebacks, we've seen blown leads. We've seen everything. We've seen them win a blown lead game. We've seen them win a game where, they blow, where the other team blows a lead. We've seen both sides of it. This team finds a way to win. And I think that is the theme for the last month. This team has found a way to win. So, uh, you know, we could look at, was it Monday night? You know, Jack Campbell gives up three softies. You can look at it however you want. He should have saved two or three of those. Sure, the defense wasn't the best, but when it comes down to it, your go- your number one goalie has to make a save. They pull him. Mrazek goes in. Find a way to win. Next night, I immediately said, as soon as he was pulled, I messaged the group chat. I'm in my fantasy hockey chat. A couple of my buddies. I said, you got to start Campbell tomorrow night. Get him feeling good for the All Star game. Get him ready to go. Your glasses look fine, buddy. Uh, look at you. Got to you. Got to make him feeling good. Campbell starts, allows one goal, Leafs win 7-1. Perfectly played. They found a way to win. You could even go back as far as the Detroit game on Saturday. You know, you go down, what do they go down? 4-1 in that. I turned that game off because I was watching the Royal Rumble. I checked the score, they win 7-4. I'm like, okay, this team, this team's legit. I have no issues with this team right now. Austin Matthews on a 60-goal pace. Mitch Marner, 16 points in his last seven games. Are you kidding me? William Le- Nylander playing both ends of the ice. John Tavares, point-per-game player. The defense ain't looking half bad. Sure, maybe we need to look at Justin Hall a little bit. Timothy Lilligren needs to step up a little bit. He looked fantastic last night, though. I got no problems with this team. No, I got no problems with the team either. Obviously, uh, you know, Skull Leafs go across the board on this show. Uh, we both love the team. Obviously, you see behind you all the paraphernalia. Paraphernalia rocking on me 100%. Um, you know what? This is the midseason review show, so we have to review all the things that have gone on so far this season with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I will say, I will echo some of your sentiments here. Obviously, you'll watch the tickers go across the screen. But right now, the Maple Leafs here, they are 42 games played, are 29-10-3 and three for 61 points. They do have games in hand. Four of five in t- against Tampa and Florida. So they definitely can chase those teams down. Uh, they can definitely up themselves. I do agree with you. I echo your sentiment. The playoff format is absolutely garbage. It sucks. It should be back through one through eight. It's the way it should be. Um, you know what? And it's so bad that even the fact that Brad Marchand, a guy that we loathe here on the show, you know, he's been pretty funny lately, obviously, on social media. But we loathe him. But he did say... A couple years ago when the Leafs and Bruins met, 
that Toronto was the hardest match they had throughout the playoffs. And they had to play them first, which was ridiculous. He said that should have been a conference final matchup, which he, in his heart of hearts, he believed. And, you know, when opponents are saying it about the Leafs, then you understand this team does have something special, but the playoff format sucks because you're pitting the best against the best right off the hop, and it absolutely blows. But, hey, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have 61 points right now. They're absolutely a clicking. They've had some downs. They've had some problems. But, hey, what team doesn't? What team hasn't faced COVID? Which team hasn't slowed down? Which team hasn't had to figure things out? Um, hey, by the way, want to shout something out that I think is absolutely funny. Mike Ogiello, and I'm not rubbing this in Mike's face, but he tweeted out the fact, your eyes are fine, buddy. I see you twitching them. No, um, I had an itch. I was trying not to scratch it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's going on, producer Clark? Um, yeah, so Mike Ogiello sent out a tweet when the Leafs lost to the Arizona Coyotes, that teams that are contenders don't lose to teams like the Coyotes. Colorado lost last night to the Arizona Coyotes. And guess what tweet mysteriously went missing? That one that Mike Augello put out against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I guess contending teams can lose to not-so-great teams from time to time. It happens. It's called hockey. The puck bounces. It's vulcanized rubber. It hits things. It ping-pongs and goes in the net. So, as the saying goes, bing-bong, fuck your life. Because that's what happens. Yes, I got it in there. Screw you for not laughing. Um, We'll keep it rolling here with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Listen, if you can't have fun, if you can't have fun... I was trying not to laugh at that because I hate that TikTok sound, but... So do I, but I got it in there. I got it in there. Um, You know, so... Let's keep it rolling here. Obviously, we're going to talk about the goaltending situation here. Uh, a lot of fans getting on the, uh, oh, my God, is Jack Campbell regressing? Is Jack Campbell coming back to the means? Different things about Jack Campbell. For me, I look at Action Jack and say it was bound to happen. Every goaltender throughout the season has a stretch of bad games. But like I said in my prediction season video last night, you have to step up for your goaltender when he's not playing his A game. You have to be there. You have to be defensively sound. You have to be offensively sound. You have to give him run support sometimes. It happens. It doesn't matter if it's Ed Belfour, Dominic Hasek, Curtis Joseph, Patrick Waugh. Every single one of those goaltenders from time to time had a little bit of a meh streak. But the team in front of them found ways to win for their goaltender after he saved their bacon so many times, a la Jack Campbell. So last night, Action Jack, and I had it queued up, but fortunately the video didn't load up in time. I had Joe Bowen's call on that beautiful save when it was 5-1 where he slid across and he made the save, and Joe Bowen's going nuts, and I'm sure the crowd, if it was in Toronto, would have went absolutely nuts as well. But I look at Jack Campbell and I say, you have a bounce back game. You play great, but the team played great in front of them. They were blocking shots. They were doing all the right things. They gave him that run support. So that way he felt if he made a mistake, he could battle his way through it. Mm-hmm. Unlike the other game where 47 seconds in the pucks in the net, but everybody's like, Oh, well, hang on a minute. The past few games, Jack Campbell's given up three goals or more goals than he usually does. Well, yeah, we came back from a COVID break. The defense in front of him, there's no muzzin. Hall is a shadow of himself. Lilligren and Sandin are still getting worked in. 
you're working through either Biega or Dahlstrom or whoever you want on your back end. So, yeah, it's going to be a problem, an absolute problem for a goaltender between the pipes. So it's a perfect time to get Petr Mrazek and his $3.8 million off the bench and into the net. And that's what they did. They did really great. And I look at throughout the season, the entirety of the season, look at Jack Campbell's stats. They're Vesna worthy. Yeah. You know, and everybody's now comparing him to Freddie Anderson. Freddie Anderson's gone, guys. Freddie Anderson is gone. Freddie Anderson is no longer here. Okay. We have a great goaltender in the one, the only Jack Campbell. And we have a pretty good backup in Petter Morazic. So just enjoy what you have. Stop wishing for something different and realize that you have a stellar goaltender in Jack Campbell that from time to time will have some freaking issues. That's yeah. it. It's going to happen. So just calm down and enjoy the fact that Jack Campbell is our goaltender and a damn good one at that. Yeah, when I look at the backup position, uh, usually when your backup goalie goes in, and I think we can all agree that Mrazic is the backup goalie, um, sure. usually your team has to win that game. And I think Monday night was a prime example of that. The goalie, the backup goalie went in, he let in a goal, but he did what he had to do and the team did what they had to do, right? It wasn't, oh, our backup's going to win us this. Yeah, sure. Occasionally you might get your backup goalie winning you a game. That's going to happen. It's hockey. It's a rubber disc that bounces around while players are going 30, 40 kilometers an hour. hundred percent. Um, and, and weird shit happens. That's going to, that, you know, that's, that's sports. That's life. Um, like you said, bing bong, fuck your life. But anyway, uh, you know, looking at it, your backup goalie, all he has to do is his job. When your backup goalie goes in, you have to play to the best of your ability to get that victory. And that is what they have done when Mrazic goes in the net. They have played the best they can. Has Mrazic cost them a couple of games? Yeah, sure. Has Campbell cost them a couple of games? Yes, he has. Has Campbell won them games? Definitely. Has Mrazic yep. won them games? I think he won them one on Monday night by doing his job. If everybody does their job on this team from Jack Campbell, Pete Morazic, Mitch Marner, you know, um, Pierre Engvall, TJ Brody, Morgan Riley, Kyle Clifford, when he's in the lineup, Wayne Simmons, Austin Matthews, if these guys do their job and play their role, this team's going to be just fine. So I'm not worried about the goaltending man because the goaltending it's stable, which is all we can ask for in Leafs Nation. We have had unstable goaltending for the last decade, two decades. This year, we know if Campbell's going in, we have a chance to win. If Mrazic's going in, we also have a chance to win. Do we have a better chance to win when Campbell's going in? Yes. Do we have a less chance to win when Mrazic's going in? Yeah, probably, but we still have a chance to win. You know, think back to days past where you had your start and you're like, ah, I don't feel so good about that. And the backup goes in. You're like, oh, God, you know, what's Garrett Sparks going to do tonight? Right. Like you, you just you never knew. So there, there was a lot of different things. And let's switch gears off of Jake, uh, Jack Campbell. We love Jack Campbell on this show. It's soupy for life. Uh, like I said, I had a video queued up for Joe Bowen's call, but it's all right. Uh, soupy, you're good in my books. You're good in a lot of people's books here in the chats. Uh, yes, I know my glasses are okay. They look crooked for my side for some reason. So that's why I'm fidgeting with my them. Hat, my hat constantly looks crooked. I've just learned to accept it. <laughs> I will eventually learn to accept it. Um, you know, just so everybody knows, we are live across the channels. We got questions and things rolling in. Lots of different comments. Appreciate the interaction. Uh, we're killing it right now. We're on TikTok and across the board. So, hey, 
these episodes here, when you listen to them after the fact and they're up on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, you will hear some of this interaction bit going on. But this is what we like to do. We like to have a little bit of fun. So let's keep it rocking and rolling. Let's talk about Petter Morazic. And the fact is, the Leafs right now, they can afford to have Jack Campbell at his cap hit, which is not very much, and Petter Morazic at $3.8 million. But come off of this season, if you want to keep Jack Campbell, that $3.8 mil for Petter Morazic may not be attainable to have on your roster. But make no mistake, this season is about all going all in. And I think you heard it today from Chris Johnston. And then, of course, you heard it from Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick. Petamorazic is going nowhere. This guy is staying with the Toronto Maple Leafs at least until the offseason. So take him off your trade bait board. Take him off the fact he's going to be packaged in something. This guy is staying with the Leafs. And the reason why is exactly what we just saw. He's 3-0 and in his past three games. His stat line looks great. But the reason why we have him is because when Campbell does need a break, which he's going to, he's played a heavy workload already. Yeah, You have Petter Morazic. And I know a good friend of the show, David Alter, said he hasn't played a game like 35 days. What does he need a break for? The Leafs were off. Well, here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter. You're mentally having to prepare every single yeah. time you start. And the mental game for goaltenders, I say it all the time, that's where it is. It's between the years for goalies, guys. 100% across. In February, yes, it's pointed out to me right here by Mac. By the way, Mac is in one of the day ones for Offside Hockey Talk when this thing was in its infancy. Cheers to him. Appreciate Shout you. out Mac. Shout out Macker right there. Cool daddy Mac, as he says on his little TikTok handle. Macker over on Twitter. Follow him. Great guy. Always has motivational cursing, motivational speeches, but let's let it go. Um, but yeah, Petamorazic for me, you're not going to get rid of him at the trade deadline. You're going to be making him a guy that's available in the summer, but he's here to give Soupy a break. And like Mac just pointed out, February is workload heavy. You got a lot of three yeah. games and four nights, back-to-backs. They have so a five and seven in yeah. February. So they're going to be playing both goaltenders, and they're going to be basically playing the bags off them, and they're going to be super tired. And I'm not playing on Soupy's name, but it's just the way it's going to be. And the Leafs are great because they've added the cushion they have right now but it's going to be something they're going to need to do. But let's switch gears a little bit. Well, hang on. On on the Morazic thing. Yeah, yeah. On the Morazic thing. um, I was up late last night. I couldn't sleep. So I do what I do. I research hockey stuff, which I'm sure like maybe three other people do. Um, So I'm looking at it and I go, okay, so yeah. Morazic, the best backup? No. Who are you training him for? Okay. You give him away. You you train him away. Who's coming up? Okay. Be Joseph Wall. No, that's not ideal. You you don't need that for not playoffs, this right? season, anyways. No, say say Campbell goes down in the playoffs. That was my that was my mindset. Campbell goes down in the playoffs. Who's starting? Mrazek? Okay, yeah, okay, that's that's decent. He has playoff experience. He can win you a game. You trade him away. Who are you trading him for? Who's trading a backup goalie right now that's decent? And I could not come to an answer. I could not figure it out. Are you taking an Oilers goalie off their hands? Are you able to get you know Mike Smith or Koskinen back? Maybe one of those guys. I don't think that's much of an upgrade. No, I'm a huge proponent of the fact that if you're giving up a player off your roster, you better be getting equal or better back to fill the void or have something in your system. You know this from me. You have to have something in your system to fill the void that you're giving away. And we don't have that right now. We just don't. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And like, I just don't see an upgrade in net for a reasonable trade unless you're somehow, you know, trading to Chicago and getting flurry back. But then, Campbell suddenly your backup. So I don't I don't know. But that's no, the only yeah. 
you know, we, we, we'll see this goaltending tandem roll through, and that's exactly what is going to happen. Um, but we'll see what goes on with the two goaltenders as the games get more heavy, uh, especially through the rest of February here. There's a player I do want to talk about here. We're going to bring him on. He's the long neck himself. Uh, has Pierre Ingvall taken a step? And I asked this question because he's quietly on a point streak. He's being able to be more defensively sound. Um, maybe he doesn't like the fact that, hey, I'm on a good team right now and I'm being bantied about at one point, whatever million to be put into trade rumors. And I don't want to leave this team. I don't want to go to a bottom feeding team and be on a higher line. I want to be on this team on the third or fourth line and do what I need to do. And it seems like he's accepting that responsibility. If you remember what I said at the beginning of the season, Josh, about Ilya Mikheyev and guys on that third line, they have to understand what their defensive abilities are and what is expected of them from the coach. And Mikheyev, Camp, Kasha, Engvall, you name it, whoever hits that third line has to understand that is their identity and that is what they need to do. Scoring is secondary. We'll talk about David Kampf in a couple of moments. Absolutely chef's kiss there, boys. Uh, But Pierre Engvall has taken a step, in my opinion. A lot of people don't like Pierre Engvall. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people who watch this show and a bunch of people we interact with, producer Clark and such, that don't like Pierre Ingvall. But I'm saying for the time being right now, he looks like he's taken the proper steps to be an everyday NHLer with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the defensive mindset. Now, is he going to have brain farts? Yes. Is he going to have problems? Yes. But show me a player that doesn't. It's how you atone for them. And how he's atoning for them is blocking shots, being versatile, another Swiss Army knife. He can win face-offs. He can play on the wing. He can play PK. He can do all the things that are asked of him, which is great because of the same things we talk about with Buzzsaw, which is Mr. Andre Kasha, and, yep. of course, Kerfoot. Those players are Swiss Army Knights can do a lot of different things. So if the Leafs can get a little bit of that out of Ingvall, I'm happy. So in your opinion, through this portion of the season, the midway point, has Pierre Ingvall progressed enough in your eyes to stick with the Leafs, or is he still trade fodder? Is he costing turnovers? Is he giving up goals? Is he not performing at the defensive end? When I look at that, I go, no. Yeah, he has his, like you said, brain farts. At the end of the day, guys, he's topping out at a third-line winger. Um, like, he's he's not the do-or-die. He's not, you know, he's not the straw that breaks the camel's back on this team. You're looking for him to play his role and not be a negative impact on the ice. If he scores a goal or two, that's you know, extra for your team. You're not looking for production from your third and fourth line. The Leafs are just lucky that they're getting it this year. You look at most teams in the NHL, most of their production comes from the first and second line. Yes, I do recognize that teams have their third and fourth line score goals, but not as much as the Leafs have had this year. Um, I think they've been lucky with that and they've been fortunate and they've been smart in the way they've developed these lines. Pierre Engvold, I think it would be like, you might get a nice trade return for him, but would it work out as well as it has as Pierre Engvald is actually playing? I'm not too sure about that. Um, I'm cheering for this guy. I'm rooting for him. I think he's a great player. I, you know, he's been with the organization for a while now. We've seen him grow as a player. I want to see what he's got. I think the time to trade him is in the offseason, though, where teams have more salary cap, more clear space of what they're doing, a better idea of what direction they want to head in. Stick with the giraffe. Let's see what he's got. Because this guy could be a, you always look in the playoffs. There's always that one guy and it's never a top six guy that wins you a series. That's it. Why not the giraffe? Why not Pierre Engvall? 
why why not peering ball and the thing is you look at guys like sean bergenheim and and different guys like that you know so we'll see who the the leafs playoff performer is this season um another player that i want to get to talking about here here we go this i'll call the triplets tampa bay had their version of the triplets the maple leafs got their version in the off season <laughs> uh yes yes we were talking positive about peering well has he taken a step in my opinion he has He's become a third-line player that Keith can actually enjoy. Um, here we go. We have Kampf, we have Bunting, and we have Kasha. If you're watching across the streams, you see it up on the screen here. We're going to break down the bottom two here first. Bunting, obviously, first line. Hey, this guy right here now has more points than Zach Hyman. Yeah, he signed he does. two years at a lesser cap hit. And I told you, I love Zach Hyman. Hashtag Hyman hustle all the way. But here's the thing. The thing with Zach Hyman is that knee and the injuries, and the way he plays. And you're signing him for that much money across that term didn't work. You bring in a low-risk, high-reward like in a Michael Bunting, and he's fitting in. Not only that, though, he's drawing penalties. He's doing all of the things you want him to do. He's going to the front of the net. He's taking a licking. He's trying to give a licking. He's not the and, guy. And he'll do the exact same fucking thing next year. Yep. At the the same same price, (laughs) that same damn cost. That's it. Bunting is the Bunting is our Marchand light. You know, he's not going to score thirty plus goals and be an elite scorer, but he will get you some points and have some fun. And that's exactly what the Leafs need. They need a little guy who can bark and do things. A Brendan Gallagher type. He's that guy that just has a lot to say, and guys don't like it, and they take liberties against him and they take penalties, which is great. The other guy for me is Mr. Andre Kasha. I love Kasha. You know I do. This guy's a buzzsaw. He's a bandsaw. He plays with reckless abandon. A lot of people say, well, there's too much of him doing that. He's too injured. He's not reliable. You know what? For what he's brought the Leafs so far this season, I love it. Absolutely love it. Kasha, to me, is what the Leafs needed. He's a kind of power forward-esque that doesn't take no crap. He takes a lot of big hits which will lead to him being out of the lineup from time to time. But when he's in there, he's effective. And he's good helping the Leafs on the cycle. So another, for me, another home run for uh, Kyle Dubas. I want to know what you think of Andre Kasha, Mr. Josh Egan. Kasha's fit him well. Um, I think he's played his role the way it was supposed to be played. Dubas had a vision for this guy, and he's fit it perfectly. Um, but when I look at the three names you have on the screen right now, the one name that jumps out at me, man, Michael Bunting, like just a round of applause <laughs> for this guy. I, I, I got to take this opportunity to just be like, how is this guy not up for every award he's eligible for? Um, bringing, Hey, gold. listen, he's, he's in the, he's on the conversation for the Calder, but he's he, not, he's not, he realistically, he's not, I haven't oh. seen his name brought up legitimately once by anybody. Hey, he, what is he? Fifth, fifth right now in Calder and in points for rookies. It so should he's, be he's there. It he's should be Zegris, Bunting, Cider, everybody else. Whoa, 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 put some respect on my boy Raymond's name. Come on now, Lucas Raymond having himself a little bit of a season two. You can't, you can't uh, say a little, 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 little bit easier to do as a forward. Um, uh, hello, Michael Bunting's a forward. What? I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, Zegers and Bunting are forwards, but I'm looking at uh, one per team, I think should be the rule, to be honest. But we could get to that later. Um, but yeah, like just looking at Michael Bunting, man, he, he completes this game. He can play on the first line, he can play on the second line, he can play on the third line, he can play on the fourth line. Fucking try this guy at backup goalie. You don't know what's gonna happen. He could probably be fantastic at it. This guy 
is the complete hockey player. Dare I say he would be Mike Babcock's favorite player if he was still here because he does <laughs> literally everything. This guy yeah. had a hat trick uh, in Detroit. Oh, I know. And everybody was surprised. And they're like, that's the perfect game for him to get a hat trick. Grind in front of the net. Get pucks in front. Draw penalties. The only player that's drawn more penalties than this guy is Connor McDavid. Yep. Which, thank God, the NHL has finally gotten right. So, And then you look at David Camp. That guy, sure. Good job this year. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. David Camp, well, good God. No, no. He's already quadrupled his goal output from last year. He's up to five. Okay, for a defensive center. But here's the thing. He wasn't brought in to score, and everybody's going to jump all over this. Everybody jumped all over me when I was so excited to leave signed him in the offseason, saying, what are you excited for this guy? He's got no goals. He's got no assists. No, no, no. He is here to be a defensive specialist for the Maple Leafs. They saw what Philip Deneau did to them, and they said, hey, we got to get ourselves one of those. And they got themselves a lighter I got to cut you off there. A lighter version. Philip- Philip Deneau did not win the Montreal Canadiens that series. The Leafs forwards cost the Leafs that series. Listen, hey, but Philip Deneau still defended very well and did it against all of the other teams as well. It wasn't just the Maple Leafs. So he was out there against top players, top minutes, and he shut guys down. So that was a running theme for him throughout the playoffs until they met their match against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the Leafs saw that and said, hey, we need an identity for our third line. And Sheldon Keefe has been beating that drum that I need a defensive third line. And he went out and said, Dubas, get me somebody. And they got David Camp, a guy who can play center on your penalty kill. He's defensively reliable in his own zone. He's a guy that now, is, like I said, he's quadrupled his output in goals. And he fits well with Andre Kasha and whoever you want to stick on his wing. And he makes that line go defensively. The Leafs are number one in face-offs in the league this year. Hello, and Mr. David Camp is right up there in the stats, 100%. Okay? So I look at this signing and I say, that is the low-key best signing that Keith made. Bunting's great, yes. Kasha, great. We'll talk about Richie. We'll talk about maybe more Mrazic afterwards. But for me, David Camp came in with no fanfare and a whole lot of what-the-hells and now we're seeing what the hell's because this guy is stabilizing the Leafs' bottom six. 100%. He is. We love our fourth line. We love yeah. Jason Spezza. We love Vincic down there. But we needed someone to shut guys down. He's able to do that on a consistent basis and be defensively responsible in his own zone, which we haven't been able to use those words for the bottom six for very long. Right. So I love what he brings. That, to me, is very important when you're looking for identity of lines. We know what the first line can do. We know what the second line can do. We needed something out of that third line. When it was Ingvall and a rotating cast of characters, now you have stabilization there, and I'm happy about it 100%. So you can say, ah, calf, great, great, great. No, to me, it is great. It's perfect. It's perfect for what the Leafs needed, and you made your coach happy at the same time. No, I agree with that. Um but yeah, I just look for high impact players when I when I think of this and he's doing his role. Like I think that's been a very good theme of this episode is players playing their role. And that's what this team has been missing. Um, what you, you did I at, say when we kicked off the season preview? Exactly. Show. Players have got to play the roles. You look at the last cup winners, like Tampa two times, each player played their role. Who was before that? Was it St. Louis? St. Louis players played their role. Before that, the Capitals players played their role. Uh, maybe I'm missing somebody there. Uh, before that was, who's before the Capitals? Um, 
St. Louis, you know, Pittsburgh. Yeah, all the play, whatever. The last like 10 cup winners. Everybody, Everybody on there. The play the rule. They knew what they were for. It was next man up. Yep. And I believe that these, this Leafs team has that next man up episode. So I don't know what you're reacting to, but it looks fucking sick. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that. But yeah, <laughs> no, no, I just I got know. a I just got a wizard hat bestowed upon me. Appreciate that. Hey guys, just so you know, we are live across the network, so it's awesome to be interacting with TikTok over here. We got YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter as well. So when you listen to this, like I said, post edit. It's going to sound a little weird when we have a little fun interacting, but this is just what we do. It's a lot more fun to do it this way because then you have everybody in here asking questions. We had a live chat going on TikTok. There's people asking questions over on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So it's great having fun over there too. Is um, Forklift guy back yet? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Uh, I miss that guy. <laughs> All right, so let's keep rolling here. Hey, I want to talk about a guy um, that didn't really pan out for the Maple Leafs, and that's Nick Ritchie. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate they paid him 2.5 mil for two seasons. He's not a player that fits in. And now this is the big one. Okay, Sheldon Keefe showed everybody what his ideal lineup is with the players that he has right now. And Nick Ritchie was nowhere near that lineup at all. And a lot of people were saying, what does this mean for Nick Ritchie? Well, for me, it means I think we're going to see Nick Ritchie in Arizona. Um, the reason why I say that, Arizona is willing to take on salary. Hmm. willing to harvest some salary for teams for assets. And they obviously want young players. Um, the Leafs have some young players that are available. Some things that may interest the Arizona Coyotes. Um, not a lot of picks this year, but they do have picks next year, et cetera, et cetera. If this is an all-in year, you have to get rid of Richie's contract. You have to add something to that. But maybe you can bring back a little something, <coughs> Kessel, from the Arizona Coyotes. But Nick Richie did not work out for the Leafs. He's not going to work out for the Leafs. Um, you know, everybody knows I was beating hard the Nick Ritchie drum. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Unfortunately, even I've stopped beating that drum because this guy will be good if you get him into the playoffs. He'll be a Corey Perry-esque kind of guy. He'll play physical. He's slow and plotting. And he can grind you out. But you got to get him in the playoffs. And by that time, does he have any continuity with anybody he's playing with in the lineup? And that's the problem. I don't think so. And... Is he going to give enough? He's got nine points right now at 2.5 mil. He's not not it for me. Not it for me by a long, long shot. Um, and not it, obviously, for Sheldon Keefe. So I want to know for you, this was a swing and a miss by Dubas. We just talked about the home runs. And we talked about the one that's looking okay in Petamorazic. This one here was a complete unfortunate dud. And I'm not knocking Nick Ritchie, but this one is not, uh, not the one that we needed right now. Right, so... I'm looking at his playoff stats right now, and I think Dubas was very calculated in this. Um, his playoff stats aren't shining, but I look at it, and he's got 80 penalty minutes in 38 games played in the playoffs. This is a guy, when the playoffs come, he turns it up. He has that intensity that I think this team was lacking in the previous five runs. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. Like a Nick Rich, Nick Ritchie fourth line guy in the playoffs goes out there and just absolutely dummies someone for no apparent reason, just to give a spark to the team. Yep. Is is that why you brought this guy in? Maybe was too much. Two point five million, probably. But is saving this guy to give you that spark to get past the first round for the first time in fucking since twenty, what what was it two thousand four? Yeah, that's probably yeah. worth it. 
So do you pay that guy 2.5? Do you keep him on your roster up until the offseason? I think you do. Do you go with your gut? Everything Kyle Dubas has done this offseason has worked. If no, no. I, hey, listen, I, I'll agree with you 100%. And that's why I said this guy may be the Corey Perry player that we need for the playoffs. And that may exactly. be Exactly. So why are, we, why are we trading him for uh, from Arizona for Phil Kessel? We already have goal scoring. As much as I would love Philly Cheeseman to come back to this team, I don't think it would help the team because we don't have that that guy in the playoffs to do what he needs to do. Is Wayne Simmons that guy? Wasn't last year. Kyle Cliffy. You got Cliffy. Is Kyle, Cliffy guy that, is Kyle Cliffy that team? Yeah, I know, but he can't play. Nick Ritchie can you know handle a puck. He can pass a puck. He can put a puck in the net. I don't know if Kyle Clifford's that guy. As much as I love the dude, Nick Ritchie Rich, can but, be. There's a lot of but, people saying Ritchie is big, but he's not tough. But he can be a shithead. Michael Bunting's a, a, a shithead. I don't think he's going to fight 75% of the guys in this league. You no. need guys that could be annoying. You need a guy that could look Brad Marchand in the eyes and say, oh, yeah. I think Nick Ritchie could be that guy. For you him. need the Ryan Reeves type where he's like, who you? Who you? No, no. It's you don't need that because that's bringing people in. You need somebody who's going to say like, "Oh, I'm going to beat you up." And then just look at look at them in the eyes and say something back that's going to make them do something dumb. And I think Nick Ritchie could be that guy. Looking at him Bunting playing in the playoffs. Does that perfectly. Yes, and I think I think I think Bunting's going to do that well. But you look at Anaheim's playoff run in 2016-2017. They played 15 games. Nick Ritchie had 46 penalty minutes and he had four goals. That's pretty good. I would take I would take that from my from Nick Ritchie. So I would say this guy's on a two-year deal. Carry him to the playoffs this year. He's not hurting the team. Right? So let's see what he's got in the playoffs. Because the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Let's see what he's got. If the he only, is a the playoff only, performer. The only I, thing I'd say is you're two and a half million dollars. And if you need to go get yourself, let's not talk about Philly Cheeseman. Let's talk about going and get yourself a defenseman. Going to get someone to be a rear guard in your back end, two and a half million dollars in your pocket is something you can use. And yes, I agree. It would be great to have a Richie that can do those kind of things, even if he's not fighting or isn't tough and just draws guys in. But still, two and a half million dollars to bring in a, a Mayfield, a McNabb, a Manson, all those different guys that you want. That's hard to get into it. I agree with you there. But is Nick Richie your trade piece there? Because you know what's great about the playoffs? There's no salary cap. No, there is no salary cap, but you still have to be under the cap at trade deadline. That's the problem. You so do, you do. But Nick Ritchie might not be your trade piece there. You have prospects, you have draft picks, you have other guys you can trade. Justin you, Hall. Ha- you have to make sure Justin Hall. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. Speaking of defense, hey, let's switch gears a little bit here. Jake Muzzin uh, apparently is taking a step back in his recovery from concussion. We wish him nothing but the best, and I've said this in all my videos. Right now, Jake Muzzin's priority needs to be his health, needs to take his time, get back 100%. And here's the thing. I know there's something ailing his hip as well. So for me, if the Leafs can keep it rolling and the Leafs keep themselves well above water, which they've been doing, let Jake Muzzin take all of the time he bloody well needs and get ready for the playoffs. And I think him and Justin Hall with a healthy and ready Jake Muzzin will be great as a shutdown pair again. We'll be able to recapture some of that magic. I do think there is there was something wrong with Jake Muzzin even before the concussion because yeah. you, you don't be a Jake Muzzin-esque type player and then tail off that much. It just doesn't happen. And yes, he elevates Justin Hall, but great players do that or good players do that for guys they play with. They elevate the guys around them, which was what Jake Muzzin was doing for Justin Hall. 
and you could see it's directly impacting Hall's game without Muzzy there. This, for me, is a concern, though, because we all know concussions. Yeah. They could be two weeks. They could be two months. They could be a year and a half, like Sidney Crosby. It could take a long time to get Muzzin back. We don't know. So now, that leads me to ask the question, do the Leafs need to, and they all, Kyle Dubas is pretty good with this. He goes and makes deals well before trade deadline. Do the Leafs need to go out and make a deal if they feel after the All-Star break that Jake Muzzin is not going to be back at a certain timetable and get a guy into this lineup to stabilize Hall, but also get used to their system and get used to playing elevated minutes just in case. And this has been the, the thing I've been saying. We need a shot blocking, net clearing, minute munching defenseman. It's my tagline. I'm putting it on a t-shirt because that's what we need. We need a Mayfield. We need a Manson. We need a DeHaan. We need someone to play that role. So do here's the question for you. Do the Leafs, knowing Muzzin's health concerns right now, do the Leafs go and make a trade earlier than they probably should, but go and get a guy to fill that void? And no, I don't think it's Ben Sherratt, just for the asks. I uh, I think you make that trade regardless of Muzzin's health, to be honest. You need that, you know, excuse my language, you need that motherfucker in front of the net that can get people out of the way. Um, yep. I look at Anaheim and I say... Hey, we want Josh Manson. And while you're at it, what's it cost to add a Troy Terry? Um, I, I had to <laughs> toss that in there. I know, Terry, I know, man. I know that's not realistic. Troy Terry but is not wiggling his way over to the Leafs. Uh, not a wouldn't chance. That, wouldn't that be sick though? Like just imagine Matthews, Terry, Marner. Okay. Anyway, but just, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I think you got to make this trade anyway. Muslims health or not. I hope the dude's okay. Like head injuries are obviously bad. Um, does this stem back to that bad hit in the Columbus series where he got the stinger? Was it that the Columbus one where he got the stinger? Yeah. Um, it, it might do. We all seen, uh, you know, Edge had the same, Edge WWE superstar had the same type of injury and he was out for nine years. Obviously his, uh, I think his sport was a little more high contact. It was professional wrestling, <laughs> just but a smidge. just it's a smidge. But um, you know, those injuries can linger. Is this related? You know, your neck and your head, they do communicate with each other. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I hope the dude's okay. And I think he'll be fine. But I think if he's a hundred percent healthy, you still make that trade for that guy who can clear the front of the neck, get the puck out and then go and punch somebody in the face 45 times. Um, so Josh Manson, welcome to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that trade is more than done. Um, another one here we're going to talk about, we can talk about Austin Matthews, but we all know about Austin Matthews and what he does, where he's at. And he's probably going to get another rocket Richard trophy when everything's all said and done. I feel like he's on a torrid pace, but here's a guy that for me, for some reason still gets a little bit of a crap kicking here in Toronto, uh, because of his high cap hit, but John Tavares, a quiet season at over a point per game. Nobody's talking about it. But everybody's quick to say, oh, he's so quiet. Oh, he's not scoring. Oh, he's not this. Oh, he's not that. Go check the stat line. This guy is involved in every single game. And over a point per game player, that just doesn't happen because you're on the ice. That just doesn't happen because you're not good. John Tavares is good. John Tavares is a guy that is helping and leading this team. And to see people crap on him, it's like, man, what the hell? This guy is having himself on any other team, he'd be talked about in the media like there's no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But because he's behind Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Riley, Campbell, keep going. 
because it's all guys. Riley signed his new deal, and since he signed his new deal, he's the second coming of, you know, Salming because he's scoring all these points. That's what everybody's all, everybody's all excited about that. Of course, Nylander, well, best deal there is for 6.9 mil. Marner, well, he started scoring, so now everybody's like, wow, Marner's the best. And then Matthews, we all know Matthews. But Tavares is buried behind all that. And over a point-per-play guy, for me, that's absolutely awesome. I love him. Yeah. I want to show him a little bit of love because – I see a lot of hate going on online for John Tavares, and I don't get it. It's, you know what? I think you and I sometimes, like our Twitter feeds are probably pretty similar. We get some tweets from that side of Twitter, and it's just people trying to start an argument to get a reaction. And I think that's where most of that is coming from. And those people, for a lack of better terms, go kick rocks. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. Drift. You, drift. you, You don't watch the games to enjoy it. You watch the games to hate you tweet stuff to get a reaction. Um, and we all tweet stuff to get a reaction, but tweeting John Tavares is not a good hockey player. You're a moron. Go do something else. Right. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to see what happens here when I pull this. I, one to, up here. I, I, I had to hold myself back there. <laughs> I want to show you this one here. So here we go. I like what Sheldon Keefe has done this season. Sheldon Keefe for Jack Adams. It could be a thing. No, a Leafs coach will never win the Jack Adams. Hold on. This is this is the reason why I'm going to say I'll, I'll present my argument of why I think Sheldon Keefe could win the Jack Adams award. He is not satisfied. Last year, we all watched Joe Thornton walk over to the coach and say, hey, we're in first place. What does it matter? It matters. And even still now, the Leafs are doing really well, really well. Mm-hmm. And he's still not satisfied. And here's the thing. It's bleeding over to the players. You listen to Kerfoot, you listen to Spezza, Matthews. It doesn't matter who speaks. They're all still not satisfied with what they're doing and where they are. They all feel like there's room to grow. Those are things we haven't heard a whole lot of out of the Toronto Maple Leafs over the past few years, where they think, hey, we can do better and we can be better. Hey, we need to take steps. Yeah, we're winning, but we didn't do this. Yeah, we're winning, but this didn't happen. So that, to me comes from your coach and comes from your coach holding your feet to the fire and saying good is great but I want to see greatness every night right I want to see it every night and we we beat the hell of the word Stanley Cup habits but Sheldon Keefe is trying to instill with these guys that what you're doing has to be replicated every night all of the little things and if you can't do that game in and game out you're going to have problems and, hey, I love that. Some people are like, oh, Sheldon Keefe's too hard on these guys. Oh, Sheldon Keefe, you know, can't be happy with the fact the Leafs are winning. Don't get me wrong. He's probably really happy they're winning. But at the same time, he wants them to go further. He wants them to win convincingly. He wants them to shut teams down. He wants to go beyond the first round. And how do you do that? You do it through an 82-game audition. Yeah. You know? And for every Leaf fan who says, the regular season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until the playoffs. Sheldon Keefe is with you. Sheldon Keefe is right there with you. And Sheldon Keefe is telling you that none of this matters until you get to the playoffs because he wants this team to do better there. So that's why he doesn't care if they win 7-1. He's going to nitpick every crappy thing they did in that game so it doesn't happen. So it's 7 nothing, and it's crisp passes, and there's no giveaways, breakaways, or problems, or breakdowns. Because when you have those against good teams, you get scored on. 
Yeah. So that's why he is consistently going to be wanting to keep pushing. And that's why I think for me, Sheldon Keefe should be up for the Jack Adams, especially what he's doing with this team. And if the Leafs get 118 points, like some people were projecting high, why not? Yeah. I, the Jack Adams always goes to the, the coach where you look at that team and say, Hey, you did better than we thought. So I look at, I mean, <laughs> I think Rob Brendamore is always going to be in there because he's doing a fantastic job in Carolina. I look at Florida, like that team's doing amazing 69 points in 47 games. Nice. Uh, Pittsburgh doing a lot better than I thought we all thought they would do this year, especially with Gino and Crosby being healthy for currently sixth in the NHL. Uh, New York Rangers fifth in the NHL with 64 points. Fantastic. Nashville out of nowhere, eighth in the NHL with 60 points. St. Louis's coach. Maybe he's in there too. And then yep. I take a I take a look. My dark horse pick right here, Dallas Eakins with Anaheim, getting yeah, this team no, into well, yeah. a playoff position where a lot of people predict, predicted them, including the Locked On Ducks or Locked On Anaheim's podcast host, who is a Ducks fan, predicting the finish last in the Pacific. My pick, my money is on Dallas Eakins to win the Jack Adams Award. All right, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We're going to wrap with this. This is the Offside Leafs midseason show. We're going to wrap up with this last question here. No, no, no. Hang on, what? do we have one more question? We, we have one more uh, one more slide, so what do you want to get to first? No, do the slide, then come back to me. So this is it right here. You have Florida, Tampa, and the Leafs in the Atlantic. One, two, three right now. Here's the thing. The playoff format, yes, it does suck. But for me, like I said it's earlier cool. in the season, the Leafs have four games in hand over Tampa Bay, five games in hand over the Florida Panthers. Obviously, over the month of February, that will change. But the Leafs do have a chance, I think, of leapfrogging Tampa and getting into at least second. The Bruins are barking, yes, but they're now about, about six points back. Yeah, six they're too seven. far. Too far back. No. For for your thoughts, here's my thoughts. I think it's going to be Florida, Toronto, Tampa, one, two, three. What do you think it shakes out at? Does it stay this way? Does it change? What is it? Florida's really hot right now. They're pumping teams like at least once a week, eight one, seven one, five nothing. I think Florida wins the uh the division conference and the league. Toronto probably edges out Tampa. <sighs> Tampa finishes third, so you're looking at Toronto Tampa first round, man. I and that's gonna be a hell of a series, and it's a shame it's a first round matchup. But you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you don't, you know, you gotta get it out of the way. Bills and Chiefs, it's a shame they can't meet in the Super Bowl. They had to meet in the uh in the division finals, so it is what it nope. is. One hundred percent. Well, hey, you had something you wanted to say, so go jump and get it off your chest, sir. Yeah. You're all up right now. You're all watching this. Eight minutes away, Canada is taking on El Salvador. You go watch that. And then after that, you know what you fucking do? You turn over to CBC, CTV, whoever's carrying the Olympics, and you watch Canada take on Switzerland at 11.30 p.m. Eastern time because these Canadian women have trained hard. They are ready. They are going to bring us home gold. You're looking at the all these players. It could be fantastic. I will be watching every single Olympic game. Join me. Tweet along. It's going to be amazing. I am extremely disappointed in the amount of coverage this hasn't gotten. I messaged you this morning, James. I didn't know they started today. I thought they started in about a week. 
Um, and then I, I go and I was like, Hey, when does this start? I re- I'm, I'm interested in checking it out because this team's going to be phenomenal. And I noticed the start date. I haven't seen any coverage for it. So I want people to watch this. I'm excited. I'm ready. The men's tournament starts on the ninth. I want people watching that too. Let's support our Canadian athletes, soccer, hockey, baseball, football, basketball. Listen, I, I will say one more time. Let's get it. Done. I will be PVRing the game. That's uh, fine. PVR the game. A twelve thirty start time for this guy. When you got to get before thirty in the morning, I'm patriotic as they come, but that is a little late for me. But I did make the video today supporting the women's team. Yes, um, you know, shouting out Jill Sonye, uh, Blair Turnbull, uh, obviously Spoons. I love watching Natalie Spooner play. I love seeing Nurse play as well. Uh, it's going to be a great tournament. Absolutely excited. And how can you not get excited for Marie Philippe Poulain, the overtime magic queen, the gold medal winner for Canada all the time? Ooh, I can't wait yes. to see this happen. And here, let's break it down just a little bit. The Canadians are bringing over 10 rookies to the Olympics, 13 vets returning, 10 rookies. That is the second time they've done that. And P.S., the first time they did it. They won freaking gold. So here we go. Tonight they play the team they're playing. They are 13 up against, and it's 109 to 2 is the scoring. They've scored 109 goals to two goals against. So it is crazy. My fun stat of the day if you wanted to win 100 bucks on this game, you'd have to bet $3,300. <laughs> yeah, not, not into it. But hey, you know yeah. what? Not into it. But you. It's easy money. It's for sure. If you want massive, to massive, massive shout out to my favorite player on this uh, women's national Olympic team, Sarah Filler. You are the next Captain Canada. There you go. I'm putting so it now. Make sure you tune in. Watch the soccer game. Watch the women's game. Watch the Olympics. Tune in when you can. PBR it if you have to. And stay tuned to Offside Hockey Talk because we'll have videos and things throughout as well. But, hey, this has been Offside Hockey Talk where hockey comes to talk. And if you want more hockey, check out Offside over on Sticks in the Six tonight. Go Canada, go. Woo!